0: You know, it's part of Vancouver's history, in fact, the history of the province, when we talk about the Pacific National Exhibition. The PE, it soon is going to be that time. And, you know, there is a book out, Eastside Story, Growing Up at the PE. And the thing I like about this is when you start to talk about the PNE, there is an historical element, and it really is ingrained in many people's lives, especially those who grew up around it. Well, Nick Marino is the author of East Side Story, growing up at the PNE. He's with us now. Nick, thanks for joining us.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me, Bruce.
0: Tell me a little bit about the book and the idea behind it.
1: Okay, well, first of all, the book will, is not out yet, but it will be out on August 8th. Um, so, uh, yeah, the idea behind the book is it's, it's a memoir, but it's also a local history. I started working at the p e when I was 12 years old in 1980, and I worked there for six summers. Um, so the book sort of follows me through those times, working those 17 days at the fair. But at the same time, it's also a bit of a family history and a collection of a lot of stories from people who worked there people who lived next to it, people who, who cut holes in the fence and snuck in, people who rode the roller coaster uh, after dark, all those kind of behind-the-scenes
0: stuff. So many stories there, Nick. You know, it's interesting. I hear from so many people that talk about their history at the P&E, and, you know, it comes back to those young memories, and at times it's working at the P&E at a very young age. So tell me about yourself, 12 years old. What did you sure. do? How did you get involved?
1: Uh yeah, so it was my first job I ever had and I was uh, blowing up balloons at uh at a at a tic-tac-toe game where you had to throw darts if you hit three three balloons in a row, then you could choose a record. Um so my job was to literally just blow up balloons and, and stand get out of the way of the darts that were shooting by.
0: And that job was your first job. Did you go on from there? Did you come back? Yeah, oh
1: yeah. So after that I ended up working in a bingo tent. My dad had a friend who uh ran a bingo tent there. And, uh, yeah, so I worked at the Bingo Tent for the next five years, and there was a lot of uh, sort of, I would say, crazy things going on that I didn't realize were crazy until uh, later on when, when I had uh, regular jobs, I guess.
0: Oh, do share? What were uh, some of the crazy things? Tell us one. Well, the,
1: the thing is, like, w- with the job of the peony, you're only there for 17 days, so it's like a summer romance. You don't have to. There's not a lot of commitment. So there was a, there was a lot of... Um, let's say, uh, employees with sticky fingers. I mean, we were getting paid uh, $3.40 an hour. And uh, I, as What I was year are we talking years.
0: about? I know this is going to, for the mathematicians, uh, you know, put oh, an age on you. Is, uh,
1: 1980 when I started okay.
0: there. Okay, fair enough. And,
1: and I, I noticed, uh, you know, a few of the, I wasn't collecting any money, but I, I noticed some of the people that were working there would occasionally, um, you know, have a $20 bill slip into their back pocket or something like that. And uh, the more I worked there, the more I noticed all this little, little bit of scamming going on, on all the time. Um, there was a lot of people who grew up in the neighborhood who sort of had a, a sense of entitlement in, this, in the way that they saw it as their backyard. And they sort of thought that they should get everything for free. So there was a lot of uh, uh, reciprocity in the, in the way that, you know, hey, I'll give you. You can play my game for free. You give me a hamburger for free. I'll ride on the roller coaster for free, and you come over and I'll give you some
0: food. A lot of that kind of thing is happening behind the scenes. Well, the fair is taking place in their park, Hastings Park. Uh, That's part of the East Side. So it really is an East Side story. What is the connection between the neighbourhood and the fair?
1: Well, a lot of the kids, uh, I mean, they're adults now, but the people who I talk to who grew up in that era, they really looked at it as an extension of their backyard. And and um, they would they said uh, you know that nothing was locked back then you know they would I, I talked to lots of people who would just walk into the Coliseum when they were 12 years old 13 years old and and watch uh, the Canucks practicing um, they would go into Empire Stadium and collect uh, you know the NASL balls with the stars on it um, after the Whitecaps had practiced they they just saw it as an extension of 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 their own homes in a way yeah and and then also the P&E affected the whole area in the sense that you know, there were so many events there. It was a cultural hub for a long time where we had the, the BC Lions, the Whitecaps, the Canucks, any major concert. So anything that was happening there would, you know, cause a lot of traffic headaches, a lot of parking headaches for people in the area. So there, it went both ways, really.
0: Was it seen as kind of a cool job by your friends when you were back young, 12 years old and up?
1: I I don't know if it was seen as a cool job, but it was definitely a fun job. People who worked there... Definitely had fun. And the idea as well that, like, you're only there for, you know, two and a half weeks. Um, There was definitely people who didn't take the job as serious as they would a job that they knew was going to last a lot longer than that.
0: What were the bosses like?
1: Well, when I started, my boss was a uh, 16-year-old girl who um, got mad at me and threw a dart at me and hit me in the arm one day. So some of the bosses were like that. Um, But they were just teenagers. We were just fooling around. She uh, maybe went a bit too far. And then there was, you know, the bosses that sort of walked around. And I, I, I interviewed a guy who was one of the bosses for a long time. And uh, he would catch people sometimes stealing from games and that kind of thing. And and uh, But they were generally nice. I mean, I, there was one guy there that, that I remember. I'm not going to say his name. But he seemed en, enraged most of the time. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, you know, they're, they're carny people, some of the people you're going to see in these places. So... Um, you're going to see some funny stuff for sure.
0: And the carny life is a whole different life. Uh, and those that know or have worked at carnivals know that one for sure. Nick, you must have come across some famous people in the time at the P&E, people that dropped by or had encounters with seeing somebody of uh, notoriety.
1: Well, um, I mean, for the book, I interviewed some people that were like important uh, Vancouverites, like uh, Bob Leonarduzzi of the White Caps and Louis Visaglia. They both grew up like half a block from the P and E, uh, and they had a lot of stories. Of you know, uh, Louis talked about trying to sneak into the P and E when he was a kid, and Bob Leonarduzzi would park cars um, when he was like twelve years old. He would he would like be um, hustling cars in the street to uh, to to have them park and, and make money. So so he'd make money every day with parking cars. So there's that kind of thing. Um, I spoke to Gloria Makarenko, who was Miss P and E in 1978. So, yeah, there was a lot of uh, famous people. There's someone else He uh, was actually a friend of my dad's, Ronnie Crump, and he was in the Crump Twins, yeah. and they performed at the P&E in the 50s. They're in the BC um, Entertainment Hall of Fame. So he had some fun stories about the P&E as well, about the performances, which, as it turns out, you know, some of, they had uh, black performances and white performances. So there was some segregation going on there, um, not with the audiences, but with the performers.
0: Interesting, over the years there have been so many different performances and concerts and that sort of thing at Hastings Park and the P&E. Do, you, do any of them stand out for you?
1: Well, for me, some of the big ones I went to in the 80s, well, I mean, I, I saw The Clash at the Coliseum. I jumped on stage with them. I saw Bruce Springsteen, David Bowie, Prince. But some of the really big ones there were Elvis played there in the 50s. It was the last time he ever played outside of the United States. Uh, the Beatles played there in 1964 to the biggest audience in their North American tour. So there were some really big events that happened at Hastings Park um, over the years. They, they don't happen there anymore now that everything sort of moved to to uh, BC Place and Rogers Arena. But there were some big events in the in, back in the day.
0: Springsteen, uh, born in the USA in 1984, 85. I, I was at that concert. Me too.
1: I had row two on the floor. It was uh, it was a very memorable experience.
0: And the lineup to get tickets, if I remember right, was quite something, too. <laughs> I remember yeah. that one because I was part of that the day before.
1: Yeah, that was a thing that doesn't exist anymore now, right? Lining up outside for hours to get tickets.
0: What about the future of the p Do you still see magic in it?
1: Well here's the thing. I, I feel like as people get older, they get a bit cynical about the P&E. You know, you hear people say, ah, why go back? It's the same thing every year, that kind of thing. And I feel like I kind of fell into that trap for a little while until I realized the p and is not really for me. The P&E is for kids. It's for teenagers. It's for people with young kids. So the, the P&E, like in my book, I said the p has been at it for over a century, and I'm sure there'll be 100 years from now, there'll still be a p e because there's always going to be kids that are excited about going to it.
0: Okay, along with that, and we're talking with Nick Marino, author of East Side Story, growing up at the P&E. Nick, is there something you would like to see going forward beyond 2023 that maybe uh, you haven't seen in the past with the p
1: um, well, I mean, they have the, that new um, concert facility they're putting in, which I think is a great idea. They're putting in another roller coaster, which is great. So I think as long as they, as long as it stays there, and as long as it's there for the kids to go to and the teens to hang out at, I, I'm happy with it for sure. There's nothing, there's nothing more I need from the P and E, but there's lots more that it can give to uh, the kids and teens out there in the future.
0: Okay, the book is finished and it comes out on you mentioned August eighth which is yeah. just about in time for the P&E. Uh, how can somebody get a hold of that book? Where is it going to be sold?
1: Great. Well, so, so the book is uh, being published by Arsenal Pulp Press. It's um, So you can go to arsenalpulp.com and pre-order. And pre-orders would be great um, if people want to pre-order the book. Um if you have trouble finding that, you could just Google Nick Marino East Side Story, and that'll come up as well. And then when it's out, it'll be in all you know all your favorite bookstores for sure. Okay.
0: Um,
1: I, I just really would if, if I can add it, it's it's um, as well as sort of all the fun things I talked about. I do also touch on some of the things at the Peony that that um, you know are are maybe not as great. Well, are definitely aren't as great. Where, for example, the uh, Japanese internment in 1942 and how that all happened on the peony grounds and, and sort of how that was dealt with with the city at the time and, and it's still being dealt with. Um,
0: yeah, so that was a, really a real blight in it. Vancouver's history, and it's good that you mentioned that uh, because there are these downsides to it, and boy, that was uh, one of them. So you did talk with uh, some of the people involved in their recollections?
1: For sure, yeah. I went to the Nikkei Centre and spoke to some people there um, and uh, talked to some people who were affected by it. Did a lot of research um, online about it. Because the history of the P&E, because it's been in the city so long, it's really a, a history of, of Vancouver and it's a history of, of, of the social morals and what was acceptable. You know, the, the p for years had freak shows. It had, a, it had a parade of little people, you know. Um, so there is, it, and it's not the fault of the p It's just what was acceptable morality of the time. But it is interesting to look at how it's changed over time.
0: It does have that dark side to it, and certainly things have changed now going forward. You're still uh, optimistic uh, about where it's going from here?
1: I mean, I think so. It seems to be, you know, like there was a time in the 90s when City Council voted that it was done, and they were going to, you know, like close all the rides, knock down all the buildings, it was going to be a park, and then that was reversed. And uh, so now it's sort of a combination of a park and, and, uh, and an amusement park. And I think that works. I think it's a good compromise. I hope it stays that way.
0: Well, Nick, I'm looking forward to getting my copy uh, sent to me from you, and uh, you know, it comes out I guess uh, in August. East Side Story: Growing Up at the PNE. Nick Marino, thanks so much for spending time with us. Thanks a lot, Bruce.